Good morning, everyone. Today we're reading from John 5. So that's on page 864 of the uh, Church Bibles. The healing at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Good morning, everyone. My name's Andy and uh, I'm with Baptist World Aid and it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I bring my greetings from Mitcham Baptist Church in Melbourne and uh, it's great to be in a place where the weather is better than my hometown. Um, is, is every day like today? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks for the invitation to come and uh, speak this morning. Um, I haven't been to a service here before, but I did come uh, and share with a small group uh, upstairs about a month ago, and I got to meet uh, Ange and David uh, as part of that. I've been with Baptist World Aid now since the start of this year, and prior to that, I served with Baptist Mission Australia. And uh, you would have heard from Dave and Kaz last week. They're my former teammates, and uh, I serve with them. And I uh, thank you for, for, for supporting them and the work in Southeast Asia. And also, uh, you prayed for Simon this morning, uh, a dear friend of mine. So thank you and keep him in your prayers. I realise that it's a little confusing having two national Baptist agencies that work overseas. And um, in a nutshell, Baptist Mission Australia sends mission people sending people. Baptist World Aid uh, is about equipping Christians in their local context in marginal places to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So Baptist Mission Australia sends people from Australia generally and uh, Baptist Aid, uh, World Aid, uh, sends funds and equipping uh, for local Christians uh, to work in their context. This year, um, I've been on a discovery about what it means uh, when we do community development uh, through Christians. There's lots of good that happens in the world through many charities, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, but when we actually equip Christians to do it, uh, who are motivated uh, through their love of Jesus, 
That's where we get holistic transformation, not just physical transformation. We get spiritual transformation. And that, my friends, is integral mission. I want you to take a moment or two just to discuss with your neighbour in your seats a verse from the Bible that talks about Jesus' love. Can you do that? Let's take two minutes. Just chat to the person next to you. What's the verse that comes to mind when we talk about Jesus' love? Okay, that's probably time enough. Time enough. <clears throat> just before we, uh, before we progress, let's, uh, let's just commit this time to the Lord, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your scriptures. We thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to understand what you are saying to us about what your mission is for us at this time, in this place, and around the world. Father, we thank you for the privileges to serve you and uh, open our eyes now. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... Who came up with John 3.16? <laughs> yeah, thank you for your honesty. There's many verses that talk about Jesus' love, but this is the one for most of us that comes to mind, isn't it? As a child, uh, this verse gave me great comfort. God loves me and provided a way for me to have assurance of eternal life. I accepted that. And for me, that's good news. I also grew up in an environment where Jesus' second coming was constantly referred to. We need to be ready because he's coming like a thief in the night, a phrase that often repeats through the New Testament. I remember my parents singing me a, a lovely little song. I won't sing it to you because uh, you might walk away. Uh, but it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son... Some of you are going to know it. To die in Calvary, from sin to set me free. One day he's coming back, what glory that will be. Anyone know the end? Wonderful his love to me. Now when we take that verse, and many like it at face value, we might, we, we might see a world that is a dark place. A place that we need to endure and hang on, from which at the end of our life we get to escape but we're missing the context if we just read that verse by itself. The very next verse says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So our personal salvation has a context, the redemption of the whole world, of all of creation. We will be part of a saved world, a restored creation. When I read John 3.16 in isolation, that's like two dimensions of what will be, whereas three dimensions is a new creation at the end of time that we get to be part of. I think it took me a long time to come to this realisation and to shake off what I've come to realise might be a self-centred faith, that it's all about me and that God is going to, to, uh, uh, to, to bring salvation to me alone. Our story is part of a bigger plan. Let's think of the story of the whole Bible a little bit like this. This is uh, from uh, a biblical scholar by the name of Christopher Wright uh, from a new book called The Great Story and the Great Commandment. And he talks about the Bible as a drama in seven acts. We start with creation and then rebellion 
promise, and then we get to Christ, we get to mission, followed by judgment, and then a new creation. Now that's simple, but that's the story of the Bible, if we read it in its whole narrative. We need to forget, not to forget, the bookends, the start and the finish. How did God describe his creation in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? Does anyone know? How did he describe it? Good and very good. And what happened when sin affected God's creation? We get the fall. That's where the relationship between God, the earth, was broken down. But God didn't intend for it to remain that way. The path to restore his creation is first seen in the nation of Israel and then Jesus and now in us. So if this is the biblical story of what has been and what is to come, where are we now in this time frame? And how does it inform our understanding of who we're called to be as followers of Jesus in 2023? In the original creation, we see the ideal relationship between God, humanity and the earth that is then broken by the fall or rebellion. The new creation will restore these relationships as God intended. Where are we now? We're in the stage of mission. God invites us to participate in his mission as part of his new creation project. And how we approach mission is informed by what comes beyond that, the new creation, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is both now and not yet. So the kingdom that is to come is breaking through into the current age. And that kingdom, friends, is us. We are God's kingdom coming. So how we understand the future affects how we approach the present. I want to tell you a little story about um, an opportunity I had uh, in Kazakhstan last year. So um, I'm a keen cyclist and uh, a colleague of mine who lives in Kazakhstan is also a keen cyclist. Um, I have a picture sometimes but I don't have it here this morning. But uh, I was dressed appropriately because it was below zero, um, so lycra head to toe, and uh, we set off uh, down a path and I met my colleague who, uh, who lives there, he's from Australia, uh, but has lived there for some time. Uh, and just as we were setting off, uh, his chain broke and he said, uh, oh, maybe we better go back because I don't have the right tools. And I said, look, I've spent all this time getting the bike ready, I'm dressed for the occasion, tell me where to go and I'll just find my way and, um, and I'll come back again along the same road. So I did that. Um, I had no language, no phone. Um, what could go wrong? <laughs> so uh, something did go wrong as I was riding along. Um, uh, all of a sudden, uh, from at the side of the road, uh, two dogs approached me, and they were like, they were big dogs. And I'd heard stories of wild dogs in this place. And uh, all of a sudden, as I was riding along, they're right behind my heels, really, really angry, fangs coming out, 
uh, and I, I really did think, I am in trouble. This is not good. If one of them takes uh, a, a bite of my foot and I come off, I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, I just got my Garmin watch at the time, uh, and later looking at, the, uh, at my heart rate, I could see <laughs> where the dog was. Now, about 20 minutes down the road, uh, I met up with my friend who, when he got home, his wife said, hey, there's dogs on that road. I think you better go and get Andy. But coming back to the, the, the moral of this story is, if I had have known what was going to happen, I would have done something different. And I think in the scriptures, we actually have a vision of what the future holds, God's kingdom, both then and now in the now and not yet. How we understand the future affects us and our posture here in the present. When we see our part in history like this, our faith needs to be more than the assurance of where do I go when I die. I think that's a self-centred approach to faith that needs to be challenged by modelling our lives on Jesus. Let's have a look at what the Apostle John says. From 1 John chapter 3. This is how we know what God's love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Now, yes, the context of this instruction is to the early church, referring to brothers and sisters, fellow followers of Jesus. But when we read it alongside the rest of scripture, like the parable of the Good Samaritan or the women at the well and so many others, extending God's love goes beyond those who believe to all people. We also see from this passage, it's not about what we say, but about what we do. The old proverb, actions speak louder than words, comes from this. Now, I don't want to give the impression that being saved is not important. It is absolutely central. Let's have a look at uh, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For it's by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are indeed saved only by the grace of God. But we're not saved by works. We're saved to do good works. I love the thought that this is what we're created for. We're God's handiwork created to join with him in his plan. So what has he prepared in advance for us to do? Well, it's more than words. And it's certainly more than the childlike self-centred faith that I had when I was a child. Here's a quote from Richard Stearns, who uh, works with World Vision. Being a Christian means much more than just having a personal and transforming relationship with God. It also entails a public and transforming relationship with the world. If your personal faith in Christ has no outward expression, then your faith has a hole in it, an awfully big hole. 
Now, I take that as a challenge and I pray that you do too. I think it took me a while to get out of that selfish, childlike faith where it was all about me to one that is all-encompassing and informed by uh, God's future kingdom. So my prayer for you today is that you get that and for you young people that you get it sooner than what I did. So it's our job to join in God's big restoration project. Where do we start? 900 plus million people are facing acute food insecurity. That's an overwhelming statistic, isn't it? Now, this is according to the World Food Programme. These are people who are unsure where their meal might come from next week. What's driving it? One clue is the number is more than double than, that, than the year 2020. So the pandemic has had a big impact on this statistic. But on top of the pandemic, we have conflicts more this week than we've had previously. Climate issues and costs of food that are in turn affected by high production costs. Another statistic, 95 million people are currently refugees forcibly displaced worldwide. Uh, according to the uh, UNHCR, around 95 million people today have been forced to leave their home due to conflict, violence or fear of persecution or violence. And that's a statistic that's more than doubled in the last decade and is the most since World War II. How do we, as people of faith, respond to that? Do we leave it to the government? I think God needs us to join in his restoration project. That's in these places where the statistics are real that Baptist World Aid are bringing hope to the lives of people facing poverty and injustice. Is this God's mission? Is this part of God's mission? Let's consider the words of Jesus. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Who are the least of these that Jesus is talking of? He's talking to those in a variety of situations like the hungry, the thirsty, the impoverished, the sick and the imprisoned. Again, here Jesus is talking to um, his disciples regarding fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but the implications for us extend beyond believers uh, to our posture towards all people. Jesus said that those who care for those in need were not merely serving other people, they're serving him. In the same passage, the opposite is also noted. The narrative concludes with Jesus condemning those who see believers in need and don't help. What we need to understand about the least of these is that our service ultimately is not just to the poor, it's to Jesus himself. So as followers of Jesus, for our faith to be holistic and not have that hole in it, we need to have a heart for the least of these as Jesus did. There's many stories recorded in the Gospels of Jesus demonstrating his love for those on the margins, people excluded from society for a range of reasons. And the, uh, the passage we heard earlier from John 5 is a, is a really intriguing one. Uh, we see a group of disabled people hanging out at a pool that's known to have healing qualities. Bethesda. 
As Jesus passes, he becomes aware of one who suffered more than most for 38 years. And having compassion on him, Jesus asks, do you want to be healed? Obviously misunderstanding Jesus, the disabled man complains that he can't get down into the pool because the people at the time thought that this, this pool had some sort of magical healing properties. And that's why the disabled people would hang out at Bethesda. Regardless, at Jesus' command, the man is healed. He first responds to Jesus, I can't get down, but regard, because he, he can't get down into the water. He doesn't know who Jesus is. That's intriguing that. He doesn't know who Jesus is. In fact, he seems happy later on to job Jesus into the authorities for doing something on the Sabbath. I find that quite affirming in a way that aid and development when inspired by a faith in Jesus shouldn't have strings attached. In our development work, we show compassion as Jesus did, regardless of whether those that benefit or subscribe to our faith or even show gratitude can be healed. We love it when people respond with gratitude and make a commitment to follow Jesus. That's our ultimate aim. But it shouldn't be, shouldn't be as it wasn't for Jesus, a condition uh, for showing compassion. That's a great example of where Jesus shows his compassion as he does right through uh, what we read of him in scripture. So the mission state for Baptist World Aid is a world where poverty has ended and all people enjoy the fullness of that God intends, of the fullness of life God intends. Do we believe this is even possible? When we consider that God's plan recorded in scripture, of course it is. The new creation will be one where justice prevails and all of creation will flourish. There won't be poverty. Revelation 21 records uh, John's vision. It says, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We're not doing this by ourselves. We're joining a project that God started and he will finish. We won't complete it by ourselves, but we are invited to participate in it. And best of all, he's given us the Holy Spirit. We're not alone in doing this. We are inspired and powered, empowered by the Spirit. So God's love is transforming all of creation and we're part of it. What can we do to participate? Well, there's a lot going on here at Nawi. This is a missionally-minded church, locally and globally. And uh, we have a number of folk here who are supporting uh, work with Baptist Mission Australia and also uh, with Baptist World Aid through our child sponsorship program. And I want to thank you for the various ways locally and globally that Nawi is partnering with God and his mission. If you don't know a little bit about child sponsorship, I just want to conclude with a little bit of information for you. Um, we'd love for you to be part of it if you're not already. Um, when I was here at Nawi about a month ago, uh, we had uh, the leader of the Bangladesh Baptist Fellowship here in Australia uh, sharing about the challenges uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, his name is Lior. 
uh, and the Bangladesh Baptist Church Fellowship is our partner in Bangladesh overseeing the child sponsorship program there. And we're currently looking to expand the program into a district called the Bagrat District, which is one of the poorest uh, in Bangladesh. Um, if you don't know where Bangladesh is, uh, there it is, just above uh, Southeast a in between Southeast Asia and India, uh, just south of uh, Nepal. You see the mountain uh, running through there, just above Bangladesh. But Bangladesh itself, of course, you'll know, is very flat and subject to extreme flooding uh, during monsoon seasons. The Bagarak district, I don't know whether you can actually see that too well, at least you can because I've circled it, um, is uh, right down in the south of the country. Uh, this is an area where there's um, extreme flooding during monsoon seasons. Uh, the people are subjected to uh, uh, tidal surges, which is, has meant that uh, the, the water table has become saline, even 100 kilometres in from the coast. Bangladesh itself, um, you'll probably know, is, is very dense. I didn't realise how dense it was until I went there uh, earlier this year. Um, Australia has 3.2 people per square kilometre. Uh, China has 145, India 412. Bangladesh is off the scale, 1,300 people per square kilometre. In the city, it's even worse. I, I, uh, when I, uh, I lived in Southeast Asia, probably the biggest city uh, close to me was Jakarta. It has about 30,000 people per square kilometre. Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh, has 60,000 people per square kilometre. It's extreme. Uh, we took a car trip. <laughs> it took a long... I'll never complain about the traffic. Um, uh, Leo would say that uh, here in Australia we might have a traffic jam, but they have people jams. Um, so the, uh, the, 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 the biggest people group, uh, it's quite diverse, but the biggest people group in Bangladesh are the Bengali people, for whom uh, the, the country is named. Uh, and they're the largest least stretched people group in the world, uh, at 300 million people. Um, Australian Baptists have a long history with uh, Bangladesh. Uh, we first started sending missionaries there in the 1880s. It was the first place where Australian Baptists went in foreign mission. Um, and uh, back in 1919, uh, Australian Baptists uh, helped plant nine of 11 churches uh, in Bangladesh that now number 539 churches. Um, it's a great story. Um, and uh, it's, it's a real privilege and an honour that um, even right to 2023, we have been working with them that whole time and are still there partnering uh, with the Bangladesh Baptist Church uh, in that place with our child sponsorship program. So, child sponsorship. How does it work? We partner you with a child uh, who gets to take part in, in many different programs. Uh, the contribution to the program uh, for each of our partners is $52 a month. And uh, we think that the program is, uh, is fantastic. There's many organisations that do something similar to this, but what we do is we think uh, a little unique uh, in that... I might just go back. It's a little unique in that um, we are working with the local church and Christian organisations uh, to administer aid and development uh, that grows out from the community 
um, and blesses the community. But the magical thing, it's not magical, this is a divine thing. This is where, when we do it through the local church, the local church, which is in a minority in an otherwise Muslim society, is actually lifted from being looked down upon to being a credible witness in the community. That's what we all desire of our church to be, isn't it? A credible witness in our communities. I think this is a beautiful way that we can partner in a way that uh, is not just blessing uh, children and their families and their villages, but the actual local church actually gets to uh, benefit from having a, a place in their society that is now credible and being good neighbours. We think the results speak for themselves. Uh, we see children are growing in self-confidence and improved social cohesion. We see improved child nutrition and food security. Uh, we see increasing numbers of children attending primary school. And we see a reduction in physical violence towards children. And uh, when we had our program audited last year, uh, uh, the, uh, the auditor said it's one of Australia's best examples of catalyzing genuine empowerment, agency and advocacy capacity, especially children, women and marginalised people. This is where I invite the band to come up, the big yellow screen. Um, don't worry too much about that QR code. NB, uh, who's my colleague, and I would love to talk to you uh, after the service if you'd like to know a little bit more about how the child sponsorship program works. And um, yeah, would love to talk to you more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love this world so much that you set in train a plan to bring it back to its original condition. Lord, that is good news. Thank you, Father, for the commitment of this community at Nawi uh, to your mission locally and globally. Lord, forgive us for when our faith remains childlike, that it's about us. Lord, we thank you that you've thrown us through Jesus how to be compassionate. We thank you that your love is transforming communities around the world. But Lord, we know that it's only through your shalom when true peace comes. Lord, we desire that for what we're seeing happening in the world today. Father, we pray that you give us a heart that is like yours, that breaks when yours does. Help us to be agents of your transformation in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.